All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rigos Rag Podcast. Ian Cummings here with my co-expert, Rigos Rag, Jacob Kaminker. Uh, last week, we recorded a couple draft breakdown podcasts. We were hitting the uh, first rounder and the third rounder first, Chase Young and Antonio Gibson. You want to look back at those, uh, you can go on the site. Uh, they're up there. Today, we're looking at the Redskins' fourth rounders from the 2020 NFL Draft, looking at offensive tackle Sadiq Charles and wide receiver Antonio Gandy Golden. It's going to be exciting stuff here. But before we get into that, Jacob, how you doing? I'm, uh, I'm doing good, hanging in there. Uh, it's starting to get warmer out, which is both great and terrible because I do not do well in the heat. But uh, yeah, it just means football season's around the corner, right? Uh, around the corner? I won't go there yet. We got a long ways to go, but it, it feels like it should be, man. Once it, When it's gone, you can't wait for it to get back. Now, we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but first, a word from our sponsors. And word from our sponsors is over. All right. All right, back to it. Uh, like I said before, Ian Cummings and Jacob Kamaker here with the Rigos Rag Podcast. Uh, we mentioned we're talking about Sadiq Charles and Antonio Gandy-Golden. Uh, this podcast, though, is devoted to the first fourth rounder, LSU offensive tackle Sadiq Charles, like we said. Um, it was interesting. They selected him right after they traded away Trent Williams to the San Francisco 49ers, so that all kind of came together. Uh, Jacob, just first impressions about Charles. What were you thinking when we picked him, and uh, what are you thinking now about that selection? Well, the first thing I was thinking was, wow, this is a weird pick in the fourth round because I mocked him to the Redskins in the third round, and you mocked him to the Redskins in the fifth round. So we split the difference dead even on this, which is rather impressive that we both <laughs> were right and wrong at the same time. I know. So, yeah. Together we, we were right, you know, yeah, both of us combined. The average yeah. of our opinions was correct. There so you go. props to us, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that that little anecdote aside, um, I, I like the pick of Charles a lot. I think he has a, a lot of upside at left tackle. Um, I think if not for some character concerns that uh, were outlined in the pre-draft process, and he served like a six-game suspension last year for an undisclosed issue with the team, I think he probably would have been a day-two pick even in a strong tackle class. I mean, you look at him play on tape, and he, he's just he's loose, he's agile, he's athletic. Um, he has really good technique. Um, he's not always perfect with his hands, but he reacts very well to pass rushers coming his way. So I thought that, uh, you know, getting Charles at that point in the fourth round with the second pick um, and really immediately after announcing that Trent Williams was officially gone, they got another guy who could at least factor into the left tackle battle. Uh, I, I think it was a pretty good move. I, I just think that uh, he has a lot of tools that could make him a solid tackle. Um, and I think overall, so long as he stays out of trouble, he has kind of a high floor because even if he doesn't succeed at tackle, um, he has a great skill set to kick inside to guard if necessary. So uh, I'll be interested to see how they cross-train him this offseason, but it seems like they've gotten a uh, a solid contributor on the offensive line at the very least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of stuff came out after the draft about how the Redskins studied him exactly in terms of his character concerns, because you did mention it was a big deal uh, in his final season that he missed six games. Uh, but Charles was pretty open about it, uh, said that he talked a lot with, the uh, I think, Redskins director of player personnel, or, or maybe it was someone else, I can't remember. But um, he, he talked a lot with them, and uh, it looks like they did their homework, and it looks like that uh, he, he's ready to kind of turn a new leaf in Washington. So 
let's hope. And also, turn a new leaf is kind of misleading because uh, they talked to Ed Orgeron too, and he had nothing but good things to say about him, and that it was more just maturation that he needed. Uh, as opposed to, you know, actual character concerns. So and he's not even 21 years old yet. So, you know, he's always going to be growing and learning. And um, hopefully the transition to the NFL with the coaches that we have in place will be able to kind of expedite that and help him kind of move along there. So, but uh, yeah, mentally, it looks like they did their homework on him. They're they're willing to kind of lead him along. And, and physically, yeah, like you said, you look at the tape. He's very agile. Uh, like you said, athletic. I think he's 6'4", 2 320 around there but he moves really well for a tackle like he's out of a stance just like that like the snap of a finger uh there was one play that i i um i watched it was a clip on twitter uh where he was kicking out to block for a screen and he like ran out i thought he was a tight end i swear he was that fast i'd like double check the number i'm like wait 77 he's not a tight end but he's like running out there just in a flash he's he's in his spot he got there too soon actually and and had to cut back and didn't have as good of an angle because of that but it just goes to show you the traits are there in spades like this guy moves extremely well very light on his feet really explosive out of his stance but at the same time he's got grip strength for days if he gets his hands on you you know it's you're it's tough for you to get around him um, and then, you know, he's pretty powerful. And like you said, he has a good feel for technique and, and leverage and stuff like that. So a high floor, but also a pretty high ceiling as well. Yeah, and I think you hit on it with his hands and hand strength. When he does get his hands in the right spot, he really is able to stalemate his opponents. And that's notable because one of the weaknesses for him coming into the NFL um, in terms of his on-field ability uh, is strength. Um, he's going to have to bulk up a little bit. Um, during his time at LSU, he, his playing weight was only about 295 pounds, or at least that's how he was listed. So he did an awesome job of bulking up before the draft to get up to three, uh, 320 at the combine. Yeah. Um, but if you go back and watch him on tape, even when he's stalemating some guys because of that great grip strength, you can see him getting driven back a little bit. Um, the technique really helps him make up for it, but you know, against the bigger, stronger, faster guys at the NFL level, he's going to have to hold his own a little bit more with strength to avoid being pushed back into the pocket. Um, so I think that's that's the big area he'll have to concern himself with on the field, being sure he's strong enough um, and just using that technique to his advantage because, um, you know, he can get to the right spot, but he's got to be able to sustain those blocks. Um, I think he'll be able to do it for sure. And the good news is he has great experience blocking for a uh, franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow at LSU. Um, so he's used to uh, keeping a, an important player clean. So hopefully he'll work out at the, on the left side and really help Dwayne Haskins um, improve in his second year. And just one more th- before I, I turn it back to you, Ron Rivera's trust of Charles is also huge. And I think that's, um, as you hit on, like they did their homework on him, but he said in a piece per NBC Sports Washington's Peter Haley um, that he believed in Charles and said that he really uh, swayed him when uh, Charles kind of gave a statement about wanting to be able to play and wanting it back after he was suspended. So I think that uh, if Rivera trusts that Charles will fit in with the team and in the structure of the Redskins uh, organization as Rivera is designing it, I think uh, – he wants to trust Charles, uh, we should trust him because he knows how he wants the LSU product to fit in. If he's comfortable with them, should pan out. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I saw another quote where um Charles was saying that because of all this all this uncertainty surrounding his selection, you know, like people weren't quite sure if uh, he should have been the right guy, but he said that they did their homework and they believed in me and in turn he wants to prove that he was the right choice. And so I think there's motivation on both sides with Charles trying to kind of take advantage of this opportunity and then with Rivera um, trying to get the most out of a talented player who could have a big future uh, for the franchise. And like you said, he's got a big job protecting Dwayne Haskins. Uh, so moving uh, before we move on, I want to go back to his weight because you said he played under 300 pounds in college, bulked up to 320 for the combine. Now, in his mobility drills, he only did the 40, um, and he got a 505, which is really good for that size. Um, but it's one thing to run a straight line. It's another to have that mobility translate on the field after adding weight. Do you see that as a big issue? I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. Um, I, it is something to watch, though, because if he adds the weight but isn't as agile as he was before, that's going to take away from some of what he did well. But I think that 40 time is kind of indicative of the fact that he always was going to be able to maintain his athleticism at a higher weight. Um, it was just a matter of bulking up a little bit more. And who knows, maybe he's a little bit less agile, but even if he's just a tiny bit less agile, he'll still be great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, looking at his tape from the clips that I saw, like he's a top flight offensive lineman in terms of his lateral mobility and his ability to kick out and match guys. You know, he's really good to the point where sometimes he's he's overshooting it. So I think there was definitely, like, even if it takes away from his agility a little bit, I think there was room for him to gain power if it means losing a little bit of that spunk, you know, if he can if he can match up with stronger guys a little bit better, you know, and he can also mitigate those losses with technique, which he, he definitely has a feel for. So things are looking good there. Um, moving on, I want to talk about his length because that was something that a lot of people we're kind of stuck on when he got drafted, you know, like, okay, he's athletic, he, you know, he's got good grip strength, but what about his length? Because his length came in, you know, not many tackles in this class had had um, lesser length than him. He's got 33-inch arms. Um, I'm not quite, I don't, I can't remember what his wingspan is, but um, guys like, I think, Werfs and Wills both had over 34-inch. Uh, Andrew Thomas had over 35-inch arms. So Charles's length and wingspan isn't quite as big as other tackles in the class. Uh, it is bigger than Calvin Throckmorton. That's the only one I can remember. I don't think he was better than many people in that regard. Now, tackles don't need length to be to to stay at that position. You know, like it helps, but if they compensate in other areas, which it looks like Charles can, it's not a huge deal. How big how big of a sticking point is the length for you? It's not really that big of an issue. Um, I, I know it's it's ideal for tackles to have longer arms, and you know Charles is measuring in a little bit shorter. But at, at the end of the day, it's just all about how he can fare on the outside. And if the length isn't an issue because he's very athletic and agile, as we've talked about, um, I, I think he'll be able to uh, keep players in front of him. And you know, length can help you do that too. It can help you if you're a step slow or a half step slow recover a little bit better. But I'm not sure Sadiq Charles necessarily needs that um, to be a successful tackle at the next level. And if the length does become a massive concern with him, that's why he would move inside to guard because of the shorter arms. Um, and you know, as is always the case, like he has a high ceiling at tackle. 
But if you look at him and look at his measurements, like he could be an elite guard if he needs to move inside. So uh, you kind of deal with that anytime you see someone with the shorter arms and great athleticism on the offensive line. But I think they have no choice but to uh, try him at tackle first because his upside there is immense. And the team, frankly, doesn't have a lot of inspiring tackle options on it right now. Yeah, yeah, that segues perfectly into what I was going to talk about next. You mentioned cross-training him earlier. I mean... I don't know about you. I would just I would just play him 100% of the time at guard or not not guard at tackle in training camp. You know, just put him right there and and see if he's good. Get him, get him the reps he needs to kind of improve there. I don't know. Would you? We talked about Antonio Gibson. It was a really big sticking point for Antonio Gibson. Is like where would you play him? Wide receiver, running back. You and I were like almost opposites there, but. I don't know, would you play him a whole lot at guard in training camp, kind of move him occasionally to just kind of see how he fits there, or would you just stick him at tackle and just kind of let him do his thing there? I'd probably have him do almost all of his work at tackle, but what what I might do is, because I imagine he's going to be competing with Cornelius Lucas for the starting left tackle job, but Charles will start on the second string, would be my guess at least. Um I, what I would do occasionally is just mix up the guard rotation a little bit. So, you know, maybe you get um, a Lucas-West-Schweitzer pairing to uh, start off the day. But then later in the day, maybe you just say, or like, okay, uh, Sadiq, go play next to Cornelius Lucas for uh, this go-around, and we'll let Jerron Christian and Wes Martin be the second team. So just kind of working all sorts of combinations. I think he should see a little bit of time at guard because if he is a backup for the team this year, which is possible – He'd be the swing tackle, but he could also be an interior backup at the guard position. So I, I always think the more you can cross-train on the offensive line, the better, so long as the player has the ability to play at all positions. Um, I think he needs the most work at tackle. But, you know, if he's getting, like, a handful of snaps at guard each practice, I don't think that's going to be a bad thing and possibly could be a good thing if he ends up being the top backup and becomes a super sub this year. Yeah, for sure. and. I think there are some things on the interior that might translate out to tackle. Like, I mean, if you play at, at guard, you know, maybe there's some work you can do with angles that might help you once you move back out to tackle. Um, just a lot of little things, too. Like, maybe if he's playing at guard for a little bit, he can kind of learn how to help out the left tackle and how the left tackle can help out the guard. And then when he gets back, he's like, well, I can do this to help my buddy out so that maybe it's a more manageable situation, just stuff like that to apply context to the position that you're at. That could be helpful, um, but yeah, I think we're in agreement there that the majority of his work should be at left tackle, considering he's got the upside there. Um, you know, you can you can make the argument that with his arm length, if it becomes an issue, um, then you can consider moving him. But we saw his tape at LSU. You know, it wasn't always perfect, but the upside is clearly there. Uh, the athleticism, the grip strength, uh, the technique, the the kind of the feel for the position. I think everything is there in terms of the foundational aspect that needs to be there for him to flourish at the next level as long as you give him the reps and, and let him kind of grow into that role. So I think that's smart. But um, looking at a year one outlook, because uh, everyone's kind of wondering what the Redskins are going to look like this year. I mean, some people kind of want to jump the gun and be like, oh, yeah, they're going to fight for the playoffs. You know, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, but I think there's some very there's some players who are particularly important not just for the performance this year but for the future of the franchise and I think Charles is one of those guys if they kind of invest in him what do you think the outlook is for him this year and what might the outlook be 
for the years to come after that. It, a lot of it depends on context, you know. Can they develop him the right way? Uh, does he do his job and protect Wayne Haskins, or does he kind of uh, have a few hiccups, and do they lose confidence in him and potentially draft a tackle next year? I don't know. Do you see him kind of running away with that job and giving the coaches enough confidence to move forward with him? I don't know if he's necessarily going to run away with the job, but you hit on a lot of important points that I agree with wholeheartedly. And uh, one of the biggest ones is how important Charles will be to the 2020 Redskins, because as you look at it, they don't have an answer at left tackle. And only a like a couple of their options could hypothetically step up and do it. But I have little faith that Jerron Christian can do much there. Cornelius Lucas is a great swing tackle, but I don't know if I trust that he's going to be you know, a solid starter on the left side this year. So you're really looking at if Charles doesn't step up as the top left tackle, the team's probably going to have a weakness there. Um, and like you said, if Charles doesn't prove himself at left tackle or has some sort of issues there, uh, the team could say like, all right, I don't know if this guy can play outside. Maybe we kick him inside or maybe we think about drafting a guy, especially if they're drafting high and a guy like Panay Stuell is on the board. Um, they could then consider moving Charles inside or to right tackle or something along those lines. So um, I, I think Charles's performance is going to be super important. And I actually think his performance this year among the rookie class will be the most important to determining whether or not the Redskins can find some success. Because if they don't have a good left tackle, that offense is going to look pretty bad. And Dwayne Haskins is going to be under a lot of pressure. So while Chase Young really is the star of the class and will be the most important player uh, this year and in years beyond, I think for 2020, um, it's all on Charles to uh, show what he's got. Yeah, yeah, and I think another thing that you kind of touched on that's also important is that Trent Williams, a big a big talking point for him, and, you know, when people said, you know, I kind of want him to stay as opposed to him leaving, the reasoning for that was always to kind of incubate Dwayne Haskins' development, you know, because how is he going to develop? How is he going to be able to learn on the field if he's getting destroyed every rep, you know, from both sides? You know, having a blindside protector who's reliable, who can kind of help you and let you go through your reads and learn it through experience, that's a valuable thing. And, you know, he didn't really have that last year a whole bunch. Um, well, he, Donald Penn was serviceable. I think he did enough to help Haskins there. But now, you know, Williams is for sure gone with the 49ers and you're putting a rookie in there. You know, and Haskins, he was commended by Scott Turner for his ability to throw under pressure, keep his head up, and he, he's definitely got the toughness. But a quarterback can only take that for so long before maybe it, it makes you a little trigger happy in the pocket and, and really becomes a detriment to your game. We've seen it with guys over the years. David Carr is the only name that can come to my mind right now, but all I know is that he was always getting destroyed behind that offensive line and, and you know, if he'd had a better offensive line, how might he have panned out? This is just one example, not really equivalent to the scenario, but it just goes to show a quarterback needs a good protection unit to ultimately get their best play. And if Haskins doesn't have that, you know, this this leap, this second year leap that we're projecting from him, you know, all the news is, is roses right now, but it might not happen if he doesn't have the protection. So that's definitely an important aspect. Um, but moving, so we know what the implications are, but what do you specifically expect from Charles this year? Do you expect him to do enough 
where he can where he can kind of keep asking safe, grow on his own, and then things are looking up by year's end? I think that there's hope for that to happen, but I'm not convinced he's going to be the week one starter at left tackle. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be how he adjusts in camp and how he shows his ability to play at that uh, higher weight. I, I think we might end up seeing uh, Cornelius Lucas start the year at left tackle um, just because Charles may not be quite NFL ready. And, you know, it, it, he's not going to be on the bench for too long, I wouldn't imagine, um, unless Lucas goes out there and does a great job. But I, I would think that Charles's goals this year would be by the end of the year to have established himself as the uh, the top left tackle on the roster and someone who can stay on the outside. I don't think he needs to be elite by any means, and he's obviously going to have some growing pains. But, uh, you know, if, if he's not the starter to begin the season, like, we shouldn't worry too much. If we get towards, like, the midpoint of the season and Cornelius Lucas is struggling and the coaching staff doesn't want to throw Sadiq Charles in, then we might have some worries about that. But uh, for, for the time being, I think it's we're looking at, like, by December, he's got to be the starting tackle and he's got to be looking – he's got to be making strides in his game if they want to trust him moving forward at that position. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. You know, they've expressed confidence in him at this point. You know, even if he's not the starter right away, he does need to get a chance eventually, especially with the personnel. There's no one that can really t- hold the starting job away from him uh, predictably. So I, I would agree. I think they got to get him those reps and just see if he's worth it. And then next year, you can be informed decision makers in the 2021 NFL Draft, which has a lot of good tackle options as well. So we'll see what happens. But um, I think that's all we had for this one. Unless, do you have anything else you want to add, Jacob? Um, no, I, I think uh, I think I'm pretty good. It's going to be an interesting tackle battle because uh, we didn't even mention the right side. But Morgan Moses has had 15 penalties in each of the last two years. So, you know, if he keeps struggling and Charles and Lucas play well, maybe he gets booted to the bench. But yeah. uh, I'm just excited to see what happens at tackle. It's probably going to be the most interesting position battle on this entire roster. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It's definitely one of the more intriguing ones because a lot, a lot of uh, outcomes could potentially happen. So we will see what happens. It's so weird doing these breakdown podcasts because with every other podcast, we have a 30-minute limit. So I'm always looking at us at the red line going over 30 minutes and audacity and like, all right, I got to cut stuff out. And now it's like 2240. I'm just trying to fill it with the sentence right now. So it's, it's insane. We've got a lot of time, but that's, that's it for now. We're done talking. We've said all we can say. Um, now all that's left for us to do is just watch Charles play and kind of see if he's worth it. And then we can kind of reevaluate and come back. But a lot of excitement, a lot of upside with Charles, but also um, he is going to have to live up to that and uh, make the most out of a, uh, big position battle and an important one and he'll have a lot on his shoulders if he does take that starting job in terms of protecting Dwayne Haskins so we'll see if he's up for the challenge Uh, but for now we're going to move on our next podcast will be on fourth round receiver Antonio Gandy Golden stay tuned for that but until then peace out have a good night